Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good, ni hao, privyet, bonjour. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most creative, daring, and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. We have an incredible show for today with a one-of-a-kind guest, free diver, scuba dive master, and underwater photographer, Tony Mishlaev joins the show. Now, my birthday's coming up in a couple weeks, but I don't need anything. I don't need any gifts or presents. I don't need any card. I don't need a party. I need nothing. You know why? Because I've got all I need because I get to talk to amazing individuals like today's guest. The photographs created by Tony Mishlaev are unforgettable. He has taken his experiences of being a portrait photographer and combined them with the majestic wonderland that is the ocean. His photos are beautifully otherworldly. And when I first came across these amazing underwater shots, I knew I wanted to chat with him. And he's so much more than a photographer. He is a highly skilled diver with over 2,000 dives. He's a dive master, but he's, but he's also now become a free diver. Someone who dives for distance and duration without supplemental oxygen. Tony has an unmatched adoration for underwater exploration, and he's incredibly passionate about his underwater experiences. On today's episode, Tony describes the feeling that he gets when he explores underwater and how it's a full-body sensation. Tony also reminisces about some of his most memorable interactions with marine life. And finally, Tony and I discuss why it is imperative that we attempt as many conservation efforts as possible, no matter how big or small those efforts might seem. Really, really inspirational conversation with Tony. I know that uh, I was fired up. I was on an emotional high after finishing our talk. He's an incredible photographer, but I think it's his love of nature, love of the marine world, what I appreciated about him the most. Please, please check out his photos on social media. Tones of Blue, T-O-N-E-S dot O-F dot Blue, B-L-U-E. Or you can check out his website, TonyMishlaev.com, M-Y-S-H-L-Y-A-E-V. They're brilliant. They're, they're things you've probably never seen before. Breathtaking underwater locations, often using humans for scale, but also to help frame for picture and give a perspective, as Tony says. Thrilled for you guys to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on free diver, scuba master diver, and underwater photographer extraordinaire, Tony Mishlaev. And let's learn. Just thanks for being here. Thanks, Randall. I'm honored. Yeah. (laughs) Cheers. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm grateful that you asked and, you know, I, I have to say like, I just have really good mentors and, you know, I just have people that have helped me out a lot. And, uh, you know, when you respect them and they respect you, hopefully, you know, you keep going. Tell me when you first started diving and what do you remember about those early years? Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a, I'm going to try and sum it up as best as I can, but I was born in Ukraine and my parents always took me down to the water, to the Black Sea in Odessa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember early days, just like vague memories of my childhood, just being down at the beach and having one of those old school Cyclops scuba masks, yeah. you know, the Jacques Cousteau ones. And I don't remember what I saw, but I just, you know, the feeling was always there. Just I love being by the water. And then when we immigrated to Canada at the age of six, you know, it's a little bit colder. I believe the ocean is about eight degrees Celsius in Vancouver, which I I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Um, Forgive me for that. But yeah, it's very cold, basically. Like it's not something you can just jump into and enjoy. Um, 
but yeah, so I kind of had to leave that part behind, but, but I always found myself really enjoying being around the water. There's beautiful lakes and rivers and even just being at the beach in Vancouver was lovely. It just, you couldn't have that kind of like a in, in water experience. So I didn't get to vacation much through, through my teenage years and through my early twenties. So I just kind of had this built up energy of just really wanting to get out there and enjoy warm weather. You know, uh, Vancouver is pretty rainy. So I was looking forward to some sun. And then when I started traveling with my girlfriend in Southeast Asia, that's kind of, um, when we stumbled upon this island of Kotao, where I'm still now, and uh, she just wanted to take an open water course, just the beginning course, and she fell in love with it, and I'd never seen her so happy with anything, so I just kind of encouraged it a little bit, and we had the time, and we saved up the money, so why not, like, what's the rush, you know, just enjoy the moment, and then we did the advanced course, and then she kind of talked me into doing the dive master course and becoming a dive professional, so at first, I think I was kind of like led into it, but in the end, I just, uh, I couldn't let it go. Like, I, I think it just kind of snuck up on me, like the feelings came back and we did end up moving on and going back to Canada, but I had to come back on my own. So I sold a lot of my land photography gear, which I used a lot in earlier days just to buy a camera housing. And I just had no idea how, but I was like, I'll figure it out. I'm just going to come back with a camera housing and, and do this. So. Yeah. Yeah, so, so many guests that I chat with, even explorers and guys who are climbing Everest, they say the same thing. Like, I don't exactly know what I'm doing. But I'm just going to start. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, when the feeling gets super strong, you just, you know, like, what are you going to do? Just ignore it. Yeah, you can, but you're always going to be wondering what, what if. So one of the things you said to me before we started chatting was that it's a sensation for your entire body diving and that, that if you've never done it, you don't quite understand what that is. But once, you, once you're diving, it's a sensation for all of your senses, all your feelings. Can you describe a little more about that feeling, especially as a dive master who started off really not with that intent, but then you were just captured by it all? Gosh, I mean, oh, man, it's, you can look at it from so many like, perspectives. So like, in terms of how it feels to be in the water and submerged, is, um, it's very unique, right? Because if you're, if you're talking about scuba diving, I, it's very different from free diving. The sensations are very different. I mean, as a scuba diver, when you're underwater, it's very visual. Like think of scuba diving as like walking through a trail in the forest where you're just kind of taking the time to appreciate the sounds, the nature, the light, everything around you. And so you're kind of looking out, whereas um, as a free diver, you're kind of looking in. Right. At that point, in order to be able to stay calm, you're more looking within yourself. So I would say it's more like trail running where you're like doing a doing a doing a run where where you're more just trying to like focus on your breathing and on your sensations and how you feel. So even though it's the same environment, it's almost like two completely different universes and both have their benefit. You mentioned your background in portrait photography. You start diving. When was it? that you first decided, you know, I'm going to combine the two. I'm actually going to take what I was doing on land and I'm going to take some photography and, and start doing underwater as well. How did that first come about? That's a good question. I think it very slowly evolved again. Um, it, it did not, it did not come. It, it was not very intuitive from the beginning. I think uh, it was, I started off as a scuba diver and I was like fish, you know, coral. So I, I abandoned a lot of 
my earlier um, my work, and I thought I really want to get into this and and document it in more of a journalistic way. And I did that for many years. Um, I went from Thailand, and then I worked on a boat in Indonesia where I was a dive guide. But whenever I had the chance, I would take the camera out and shoot whatever I could. We worked in a place called Raja Ampat, which is one of the most incredible places on earth to scuba dive. I mean, it's really hard to top that place for me as a photographer, um, especially for marine life. So from marine life, I kind of, you know, I shot it for, for about four or five years. And I started, um, I started wanting to involve scuba divers for scale in pictures more so in the background yeah. and just kind of, I felt like having a person in the background or somehow involved in the scene kind of connected the viewer more to the image mm -hmm. uh, rather than just having be this fantastical world, which is great to me. And it became very familiar to me, but to people who view the photos, they just can't really understand it. You know, it's so different from what a regular person sees every day. So I found that by putting a person in, it, it definitely made, it resonated well with me, but I also realized that the viewer could feel more connected to the image as well. And then when I had this opportunity as a scuba diving photographer um, in Kotao to photograph the world record holder for free diving, his name is Alexei Molchanov, um, I... I photographed him and then I was invited to do a freediving course and an introductory course. And it was starting to get popular at the time, but I didn't really shift my focus right away. I just kind of started dabbling a little bit with my friends going out snorkeling and diving and very slowly it evolved where I just became obsessed with freediving and it started to occur to me like, Hey, like, you know, the, people listen to you way better than fish. <laughs> you, know, like, you have so many days where you go out to photograph fish and they just, you know, you spend so long looking for the right one or the one that you really want and then they just swim away or, you know, you don't get the right angle or the light's wrong. And I found that to be, I didn't realize how frustrating it was until I started photographing people and directing them and, you know, being a portrait photographer and being used to directing people, I found it so refreshing and it just upped my success rate of good shots as well. Hmm. And being a person that does like adventure, it just, it allowed me to use environments that I may not find marine life in as well that I just found beautiful, you know, okay. but by shooting them with absolutely nothing in them, it would just be out of context. But by having a person, it created this, you know, special feeling. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I met, uh, I met a really, really influential freediving photographer who has become my mentor and he helped me develop my, my, my eye. And yeah, I have him to thank for a lot of uh, my recent work. Very cool. I love your perspective yeah. of starting it on scale. I think that's great, especially when you're dealing with some of the sizes of of the marine life, it's hard, and you know, we don't realize how big they are. So that is a great, great perspective using it for scale. If you ever write a book, or when you write a book on your life, I think the title definitely should be "People Listen Better Than Fish Books." I think that, that summarizes it everything. But it's fantastic. The the portraits are great. With a life spent just hours upon hours, when you add it up, with over your two thousand dives, and a life just spent underwater, how's your life changed perspective wise? Because you are living a life, and you're living a viewpoint 
that is different from most people. And it was also different from maybe your earlier time in your life. You've evolved in different ways. So how have you evolved and how's your philosophy changed by spending so much time underwater? Sure, that's a good question. Um, well, firstly, I would say that I do have a lot more compassion for marine life. That's for sure. Uh, when you do spend so much time with aquatic life, you tend to see individual personalities. You may see the same species underwater, but they all behave differently. And for that reason, you, you kind of just realize that they, they may not have developed personalities like people, but for example, like octopus um, or octopi, if you want to say that, um, they tend to, they tend to be very curious and, very inquisitive, and some are shy, some are very friendly. Uh, also, puffer fish, which are those really big, big-eyed fish. I think you might know them. A lot of people see them blown up, which is not really good when they become a big ball, but they can be really shy but very curious and look at you and come a little bit closer, and then as you get closer to them, they get scared and run away. And you see, like, a, you start to sympathize with them. So I have a really difficult time with eating seafood. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend doesn't mind it sometimes and I, I will dabble, but I will never order it myself. And for that reason, I, I think like uh, from a conservation point of view, like I really am, am more conscious, you know, I mean, I still need to use like shampoo and soap, but I always think like that is going down the drain as well. And where's that going to end up, you know, and uh, you know, we, we, it's something I, I don't really have a solution for, but it's, I, I try and support, conservation in any way that I can and there are some amazing people here that that are doing a fantastic job so that as well as I think having such a it, it's interesting with freediving I think is that you start to really look within yourself and I think the best way to explain it to somebody that doesn't know it is you become a lot more mindful and aware of how you feel at any given point during the day, not just underwater, where you're just listening to the sensations in your body, whether you have to breathe, are you relaxed enough, but also like when you start, when an emotion starts to come up, you become more aware of that emotion as well. And the more you practice it, I find the more you kind of are able to check it, kind of instead of acting on impulse, you kind of can register how you feel and then choose whether you want to engage in that feeling or whether that feeling is not right for the moment, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. I think that's fantastic because you are having to do so much introspection and checkpoints on your body when you're going underwater, when you're free diving. And these are things we don't typically do on yeah. land. Like how am I feeling? Am I hydrated? Am I hungry? Whatever it may be. So I, I, it makes total sense. That's fantastic. And I've never heard of a shy yeah. octopus. This is something new that I learned. I'm glad to hear that the octopus can have <laughs> different feelings. You mentioned the octopus. What are some of the memorable experiences you've had with marine life underwater? Well, I, as much as I do love them, I, I would say that the best experience or the most memorable I've had underwater, there's so many. And, uh, and I had to narrow it down to one where I was in Indonesia diving with my friend Daniel on this boat. He was another member of the crew. And we saw this manta, like an oceanic manta, really big at a dive site where they are well known to be. And you know, mantas have these cephalic lobes. It's like the, the little, like, kind of like, I guess I can describe them as little horns or just like the little scoops that they have at the front of their mouth. They use them to kind of um, guide plankton into their mouth. 
it had it had like a fishing net or fishing line stuck around it you know they always swim forward so a little bit of a loop got onto the cephalic lobe and it was stuck there and so it was swimming you could tell that it was there for a long time because it had already worn out the skin and it was getting to the flesh it was red you can see it was very well defined and uh i saw this manta while diving like in my own corner but then when i when I pointed out to Daniel, he was actually able to assist me in getting it off the manta, which was uh, which was at first like a very alarming thing because this is like a four or five meter wide animal. You know, it, it's huge, and you don't want to disturb it. You don't want to touch marine life underwater. But uh, we were able to actually um, grab it, uh, grab grab the fishing line, and be able to kind of scoop it off the front of the cephalic globe. And the manta reacted and swam away for a second, but then it spent the rest of the dive following us and like swimming around us. And obviously this was a great relief to the manta and really re rewarding for us. Later we knew, we learned from, uh, from a conservation um, resort that was nearby that they had been trying to sort it out for a long time and they couldn't. So that was really nice to see to kind of, uh, to kind of give it some relief, I think. And it was very memorable. For me. Wow. What an amazing moment. You appreciate all of marine life. Has, has there been times where, especially with the size of some of the animals, have there been time where you're like a little spooked out, a little scared or? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people say like when they first see a whale shark or a manta, like the kind of their heart stops a little bit. I always think of it as like, um, like a kind of like a fight or flight response. Like we, we just naturally see this giant thing that's bigger than us. And just, it's kind of like this moment where you're like, whoa, yeah. you know, it takes you a second to realize like these are harmless, yeah. but there, there's always like this, like even seeing a whale shark for the fifth, sixth time, whatever you, you still have this moment when it swims in your direction for me anyway, that you just kind of like, whoa, this is this is a big creature you know and but completely harmless of course though my heart does skip a beat yeah <laughs> probably just adds to the, to the excitement how do you go about choosing your locations in which you shoot is it oftentimes are you looking for certain animals are you looking for certain lighting are you going to popular areas what's your what's your overall mindset when you're choosing a location well with, with my recent work with the portraits that i've been doing it uh it it kind of is based in what I like to do in my own time without shooting anyway, which is adventure. I love hiking. I love swimming around. I love seeing places that I haven't seen. Uh, most of the images that you see from my, my, the last year from 2020 have been in Kotao, just on a small island. So this island was relatively well explored, so to speak. Well, the dive sites were mapped, but I kind of had, I've, I've been here a long time, so I know those dive sites very well, and I kind of made it an effort to just start swimming off the beaten track and made my way to pretty much anywhere I could see on a map that I couldn't visualize on land or underwater, and I would go out without my camera. I, the, the whole point was not to find locations to photograph. It was just to go and enjoy my time, and when the lockdown hit Thailand in, in March, I think it was, I mean, I had no clients. I had no work. It was just 
okay, you're, you're on this island. You know, once you leave, you can't come back. And I wasn't going to leave. I was going to wait out the lockdown there. So it was like a kind of a way to stay sane. And I just started exploring on land one day, underwater the next. And I made a map and just started writing stuff down. My friends are talented free divers. So when I had the opportunity, I'd ask them to come. And it, it you know, it's it's all about just wanting to be there, you know, and, and I hope that conveyed in the imagery where you just look at it and you're like, that's a really cool place. And, you know, the, I think it's really important to experience it without a camera and just enjoy it for what it is and treasure the rarity of, of the formations that nature gives us. So it's, you know, and, and everywhere, it's like that stuff's everywhere. It's not just this one island that's special. Like the whole world is. You just can't look at what Instagram is putting on the explore page to determine what's cool. You just you just go out with no expectations and you'll find something no one has looked at or maybe not from the perspective that you find it. And then you just got to convey that. That's a fantastic way to put it. Other divers I spoke to said the one thing they love about it is that most of underwater is unexplored and that it is always constantly changing. Uh, you mentioned being at times in Kotao. What are the other locations that you've experienced that still have been burned in your memory that the ones that you still think about, some of your favorite locations? Well, most of my time has been in the Pacific and I've basically been in Thailand or in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So I would say Indonesia, it comes down to two places for me. Uh, the first being Raja Ampat, where I worked before, which is just incredible. Um, it's very different from north to south. It's an enormous area. It's very difficult to explore without a boat. And most of it's just untouched. So being so fortunate to have worked there and to have explored it extensively over the course of a year has been really special for me. And it's just, it's insane how the coral grows there. Like it, that you see these sea fans, which are every color you can imagine. And they're bigger than you. And it, like, you won't see it anywhere else growing in such large quantities, like for miles and miles and miles, like as long as the rock will stretch, it will grow that big. You don't even need the fish, but the fish are also there and the mantas are there. And, all the tiny, tiny rare critters as well. So for me, like that is probably with the type of diving I like and the type of photography I do, that is an incredible place. And I don't know how many hundreds of hours I've spent underwater there. I've not been to a place that is compared to that. Um, I've, I've actually, I, I have been to Palau and Maldives as well, and they are absolutely stunning. Don't get me wrong, but I just can't compare them to Raja Ampat for me. Secondly, I would say there's a place in northern Indonesia, just off the northern tip of Sulawesi. It's a relatively untreaded location, so to speak. They don't have many boats that do trips there, and you need to go by boat on a multi-day trip. It's just it's this archipelago that's completely volcanic connecting with the Philippines. If you get to the end of this Indonesian archipelago, known as the Sangihe Archipelago, or by locals known as Sangir, it's, um, it's, it's, you're just basically on the border with the southern Philippines. 
So it's we like the highlight of that would be an underwater volcano known as the Eyes of Fire or Mataputum. So you dive this like underwater version of Mordor. <laughs> it's so cool. And you see bubbles of sulfur coming from the ground. You go over the edge of a cliff and everything's yellow and barren. Then you go back to the other side and you see the most lush, hard coral garden stretching as far as the eye can see. Visibility is like, I recall, like 50 meters, maybe more, which is over 100 and. 20 to 50 feet it's just nuts and you know you get these these um vents of hot water that are just really hot and you can put your hand up to it and you just feel the temperature difference it's just so unique there are a few places like that but i think what makes sangihe so special is the other dives that are around it as well such as another dive where we spent the night under an active volcano where in the evening you can literally see the red um, glow of the crater above. And then during the dive, you could literally feel the rumbling of the volcanic activity mm. in the water, which to me, it's like, it was insane. Yeah. It's just, I, I, you know, I mean, the dive itself, I wouldn't say was very lush, but come on, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, just, just to feel that it was, yeah, and the mountain's enormous. Like the mountain above you is huge. Wow. So to feel the rumbling underwater, just knowing how big it is and how small you are to me was just such a significant moment. <sighs> Something so, that very few people on earth have experienced. I yeah, I mean that like Indonesia's crazy like that. It, it, any island you go to there is very different, and mm -hmm. the the vegetation, the formations, the colors the aquatic life it's yeah. it's it's a really special country really. how about on the flip side on the flip side yeah. of what's the, the the location the dream locations you're like you know what eventually i gotta get to oh man the list is so long okay <laughs> i don't know um but, but like uh, i i mean i don't want to sound generic but uh the mexico the cenotes over mm -hmm. there just look insane do you know about them a little bit a little bit uh, yeah, so you have these kind of like um, under the jungle in Mexico, you have these underwater like fresh, uh, you have these uh, subterranean freshwater rivers and and uh, I guess lakes and they're pretty much caves. And so you'll walk through the jungle and then you just get to this, what looks like a, like a hole with water and you get into it and it just opens up to these insane like perfect crystal clear caves with just amazing rays of light you don't have very much fish or vegetation in fact they're pretty barren but it's just the spectacle of seeing that it's just i don't think there's very many places on earth that has there i mean i've i've kept tabs i i mean i i keep an eye on where things like that exist i mean florida has kind of a similar sort of freshwater spring as well or for springs like there's quite a few but nothing quite like the the amount that mexico has like imagine just walking through a jungle and knowing that below you there's just hundreds yeah. and hundreds of kilometers and uh, just of, of, of this like crystal clear fresh water and then yeah. you just find these openings every now and then it's just unlike anything i know yeah. so i think that would be really special wow 
for someone visiting Thailand for the first time, what would be your recommendations? It could be food recommendations, but also dive recommendations or just something that you just have to do when you get to the country. Sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, you said it actually, food. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, I think food is in Thailand is amazing. Uh, Their, their palate is just so well developed. Thai people, they've evolved, like their food has evolved beyond like the level of our food by like a long way. And between the North and the South and Central, and then there's also the Northeast, like four main sections, if I'm not mistaken, maybe there's even more that I'm unaware of. Uh, there, the food is so different, you know, and everybody loves the pad thai. Everybody loves the papaya salad and the curries, but there's so much more than that. Um, there's Northeastern Thai cuisine, which is known as Isan food, which is probably my favorite. It has no coconut milk based curries, but it's just a lot of very different and complex flavors from north to south. And I think it's good not to be scared of street food. Like there's a really good city in the south known as Hat Yai. Uh, that's where my girlfriend is from. And she has and she has shown me just that this city is so good for food. It just, it, it's like a very humbling city. There's not much in terms of like attractions, but if you're a foodie, that is the go-to spot. The standard there is just incredible. Whereas for adventure, um, I'm not going to say the ocean actually, just to mix it up. But I think the north has Chiang Mai, which is a big city and a very popular destination. But near Chiang Mai, there's this beautiful little town of Mehong Song, which is you know accessible by road. You can do a road trip, and I highly recommend renting a motorcycle if you you have the license and it's a multi-day trip through this amazing terrain that just keeps changing with amazing stops along villages uh, with villages along the way you get to see like the long neck tribe people yeah i don't know if you've ever seen this before but there's a a culture of a long neck uh, uh, tribe uh people like basically women that extend the length yeah. of their neck over the course of their life and they have these rings and i found that to be really fascinating along with just amazing landscape formations and it just changes like it doesn't feel like thailand uh, halfway through the trip the landscape is so different and just feels like a different country until you arrive in the middle of your trip to this town of mehong son which just feels like something out of a Studio Ghibli animation and just so peaceful and authentic. I think a lot of Thailand is so treaded, well-treaded that you don't get many authentic experiences. Everything's kind of catered to tourists and, you know, you get your back massage or whatever. And, and, you know, like it, it just, you get none of that. You're just, you're just in a very pure, purely Thai place and it's beautiful. So I would highly recommend that. I, I would say in six years, that's something I, I still recall very fondly and, and can't wait to do again. Yeah, Fantastic. I hear the passion in your voice for it. I'm curious on, on yeah. your freediving, how greatly have you increased your aerobic capacity? So when you first started freediving, how long did you hold your breath? And then how long is it now? Hmm. So I think on my first course, it was about... 
I was quite good, I would say, for a beginner. I, I, I did like three something, three and three minutes and something like 15 seconds, maybe. Um, I would say now I don't. So like when you ask somebody like how how long they can hold their breath, uh, just so people understand, that's when you don't move. You're just floating sure. Sure. completely still. Right. So that's like that is a discipline and that's a way that it is measured where you just don't move and you hold your breath and that was about three minutes and 15 or 330 or something and now my personal best is six minutes and 14 seconds mm -hmm. um uh the the school that i learned at and the school i worked under originally is run by a guy named florian daguri uh, i'm he's french so i'm butchering his last name i just like i can't pronounce the yeah. french last names but he just set a record, uh, well, not a record, unfortunately, because French people are extremely talented, but he just did 10 minutes and 32 seconds holding his breath in the water, not moving. Like, I just, like, that is just unbelievable. So he, he is the owner of the school. So I think most people that do get educated through the school kind of have a tendency to push this discipline a little bit or excel at it. Um, it's called static just kind of static as in not moving at all. So that's one way to measure it. Then the other way is distance, which I'm not that uh, fond of. I'm not that good at it. Uh, I've done 100 meters, so that's what, like two, 300 feet? Mm -hmm. If you multiply it by three, I, I don't know what the conversion is. We're on metric here. Uh, but 100 meters, so that's not too much. And then I think I've done about, um, let me convert this for you. Mm. I've done um, I've done 147 feet depth. So, on your on your ascent back so up, I think that's the bottom of on, on the ascent back up. Is that uh, do you have any breathing apparatus with you, or is it just that's part of the dive is getting back no. up? Yeah. So free diving is all just breath holding, and so it's just you and your body. Uh, so you just hold your breath, you take one breath at the service, you go down and then you come up. Um, so, you know, you, you never, it's never an adrenaline thing. You never just find yourself somehow just deeper than you can handle. Like they, it's not possible in fact, because for me, I'm the kind of person that if it doesn't feel comfortable, it'll feel uncomfortable on the way down. As okay. soon as I turn for a lot of people, they say, you know, the way up is the scary part because you're just going to run out of air. But for me, it's like if I'm comfortable at the bottom, like for me, the dive's done. Like the way up is just pretty much just like just kind of cooling down, like wrapping it up. I don't feel at all panicky or anything. And you really can't if you're free diving. Yeah. And that's what I meant earlier when I say it really carries over to the rest of your life. Like yeah. if you ever feel anxiety yeah. during yeah. the day or stress from everyday life, you've handled it in like the most extreme form <laughs> yeah you know you've been underwater with one breath and and if you can stay calm under that it it uh you realize that you know everything's just a sensation and there's no reason to worry about it you just got to do the right thing and that was part of the reason i asked about that because i know your life has been transformed do you use meditation to enhance the diving and the calmness or is the actual dive your form of meditation it was originally my form of meditation. I recently started meditating. Um, and I find that there are so many similarities in terms of the, it's a mental technique called mindfulness. Yeah. 
so mindfulness is just being very objectively aware without any sort of opinion about how you feel mm -hmm. in the present moment. And you, you don't think about the past. You don't think about the future because really like none of that exists. And I think it's something that a lot of people you speak to have to tap into like a lot of adventurers, especially people that have done extreme journeys, you know, under intense, um, intense physical strain. You, you have to just think in the moment and you have to think, just very presently and objectively and you can't judge your body at all. So as I'm learning meditation, it's, it's, it's very similar in many ways, but there, there are other elements to it and they're both very, they work well together. Like free diving takes from so many different things in life to help you progress physical and mental abilities. And uh, I would say that um, meditation in itself is also like a very valuable uh, tool to, to use every day. I was just curious what you think are the most important efforts for, for conservation. You, you're saying it firsthand. Here you are. You've, you've, you've helped a manta that was affected by humans fishing. And, and you've probably seen many things. You've seen a lot of positives, but you've also seen a lot of negatives. So in your view, when it comes to conservation efforts, what are the things that we need to do now that we can't wait, that we have to do now? And what are small steps we can take as well? Yeah, wow. So there's nothing I can say that, I mean, I, I see it every day. It's in my face. And I've heard a lot of wonderful people talk about, I'm just going to repeat what I've heard. I mean, I, I, there's nothing for me to add because I'm not at the forefront of it. But every little thing counts, you know. Um, you know, there's no, there's no, nothing too small that's not worth considering, in my opinion. It's unfortunate that, you know, like we all need to buy products that are, you know, in plastic. You know, we all need to find a way to get to work. But anything you can do to just minimize your footprint, your carbon footprint, is extremely helpful. Um, there's so many like there's billions of people that all think like it's just me and everybody tends to just think ah it's just me and that's not true you know if you're walking on the beach and you see some garbage it is worth picking up have i done it absolutely every single time i've been in the water no i have not but there have been many times that i have and you know anytime that i can i will you know put it in your pocket or find a plastic bag that's floating and fill it up with other stuff and then take it all out um anything like that um think about think about it from every perspective i mean it's it's really unfortunate when you try and show other people you know there it, it you can come off as very condescending mm -hmm. if you if you say it the wrong way and that might actually have a negative impact you know if if you if you try and tell somebody in the wrong way that you know they're polluting or you know like you know, especially here we have a, a large Myanmar population, um, some some of uh, the local population as well. You know, like they have a very different perspective on how to handle garbage, you know, and it's a very sensitive topic. And I think it's best to lead by example because it's very like words are a tricky thing. And it's it, like you might mean well, but the way somebody interprets it is very different. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. It's tough, but you know, you don't have to be a conservationist to make a difference. 
you can help just by just by cleaning up, by thinking twice whether you need a plastic bag for takeaway, or maybe you have that uh, container at home that you can bring. It's not a big deal, you know. It's just a matter of changing a few small habits, and like even over the course of a year, the, the amount of difference of like plastic consumption you can make can be so dramatic, and then. You can influence people, I think, by actions better than by words. At least I, 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 I find words to be um, – uh, anybody can interpret them however they please, you know, depending on the mood that they're in. So, yeah, actions. Perfect, Tony. This, is, this, is, this was so cool. And I know you do a lot of different things underwater with photography and with dives. So how can people find out more information? And also, what are some of the, the resources or the opportunities that you, do, that you provide for people visiting the region? Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, at the moment, I, my personal focus is on freediving and mm -hmm. freediving photography. I am doing lessons for freediving. But, of course, right now with the lockdown, there's a, there's a bit of a, a halt to that. Yeah. Although, um, I would say that that is my main focus over the course of the next year is to just introduce people to free diving and to adventure, not just to performance diving where people are going deeper, but to enjoying the reefs and enjoying this beautiful island that I live on in Koh Tao, uh, as well as the rest of Thailand. I mean, I don't really have um, any specific recommendation. I just think that people should come and enjoy all of it. Um, if you are looking to free dive, I am an instructor and I'm happy to teach you guys. You can find me through social media. I'm known as Tones of Blue with uh, tones, uh, tones.of.blue on Instagram. And that's usually where I'm most active. So I can totally help you out there. Um, but I highly recommend that people just do what they want to do and just enjoy Thailand in the way they want to enjoy it. I, I really think there's a lot of benefits to free diving and to uh, seeing how it affects the rest of your life. And for that reason, I, I don't know, <laughs> to be honest, I wasn't quite ready for that question. Man. <laughs> uh, just, no, um, perfect. Um, perfect. I appreciate it, but it's perfect. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, but um, perfect, man. This was awesome. You're a really cool guy, and uh, you're really good at interviewing people and making them feel comfortable. So, yeah, I'm gonna I keep. I'm gonna really keep that in the episode. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep that sound clip in the episode. By the way, <laughs> do it. You can just put it in the intro. Just play it every time you have a new one. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Yeah, I, I love it. I'd love to chat with you again. I'd love to chat with you again. But I have a caveat. I would love to chat with you again, but I won't chat with you again until I get scuba certified. So that way, I have something on my end that I got to make sure I do. Yeah, do it, do it. And I highly recommend, dude, like anywhere, just don't wait. And really, like build on the things that you love about the, the water. Like first build, like just enjoy breathing underwater. Then go to just whatever destination and enjoy diving in the ocean. Like imagine diving in the ocean and learning. Well, that's already one excitement that you'll never have to look forward to. Here you can look forward to diving in the lake or in the quarry or wherever. Then now I'm going to dive for the first time in the ocean. Now I'm going to dive for the first time in this better location. Now I'm going to see, you know, whale sharks or whatever for the first time. Uh, build on it because I didn't do that. I went straight to Raja Ampat and now it's, it's all been like everywhere else I've gone. It's been like absolutely amazing. But it, it does kind of, it is, it is a thing where, where you can, where you can 
totally discover something new every time. So please do it. And let me know if you have questions, shoot me a message, just a private message. If you have like um, any inquiries about gear, if you are looking to invest in it, I'd be happy to point you in a good direction. I'm going to take you up on that. Great, Randall. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Enjoy your day. I'm looking forward to talking with you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Tony. Again, check out his website, tonymishlayof.com, and find his pictures at tonesofblue, tones.of.blue on Instagram. And Tony, I'm going to take you up on the diving offer. Save me a spot out there in Kotel. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.